and welcome to Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Well, hello, sisters. I'm continuing this week on my quest to normalize breastfeeding <laughs> <laughs> by breastfeeding through an entire podcast again yep. and telling you both about it. In detail. In detail. Lots of detail. <laughs> It's important to know that they're latched correctly and a surprising amount of boob ends up in their mouth. Sydney. <laughs> I don't know when that information is actually going to come in handy for me personally. Uh, like. it, it just never, maybe maybe someone will ask you like, gosh, I don't suppose you know anything about breastfeeding, do you? Because I'm having some trouble. And you'll be like, well, actually. I, gotta guess I just know a lot of boob goes in their mouth. <laughs> Uh, 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 troubleshooting. Uh, just put more boob in. More boob. Maybe try some more boob. <laughs> Cooper, do you think more boob or less boob? She's good right now. She's got a good solid latch going okay. on. So we're, well, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> we're in a good situation. I guess. So what else has been going on that's not related to my sister's boobs? Uh, I, I don't know because I got three hours of sleep last night. Oh, no. And that. That's about the average for the last two weeks. So how old is Cooper? <laughs> two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. If it makes you feel any better, that's about how much I sleep, and I don't even have a reason. I just don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I know because when you see when you breastfeed at night, it's important not to fall asleep while doing so, because that you seems could. Important. Yes, that well, that's not good. You don't want to, you know, like smush your baby. So right. So you've got to, like, keep yourself awake. So I, there's actually a recent study published where this guy suggested he was a, he's a doctor. He's not some guy. So he's a doctor. But he was also a male doctor who suggested that women go to a bright room and sit in a hard chair. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can imagine how a lot of physicians or a lot of, a lot of people who are breastfeeding and moms have reacted to this. Yeah. A hard chair, huh? In a yeah. bright room. In yeah. a bright room, huh? Shine a light directly in there. Just design some sort of headlamp that just shines light straight in your eyes and maybe has like uh -huh. a high-pitched frequency sound to like just keep you awake. And also yeah. just a giant boulder. What, what I have resorted to is I now every night know every trending topic on Twitter. <laughs> um, I know everything that's happening on Facebook. I have read all of the New York Times several times. And... Um, I am becoming very good at two dots. Uh, well, you can, if, if you run out of all of that, you could do what I do when I can't sleep at night. I like to uh, memorize, uh, Nicki Minaj's, uh, guest lines and other people's songs. Um, <laughs> well, okay. You know, there's Just, that. There's that. That's for some reason. It's like my brain's running a million miles a minute because that's what insomnia is. It's like, I just, I'm right in the mind space to, to memorize some Nicki Minaj lyrics. So <laughs> next time we, next time we, you know, hang out in person, we can, we can exchange some, some sick, sick beats. I don't know what they're yeah. called. You can, you can recite Nicki Minaj lyrics and I'll say things like, Hey, did you hear Heather Locklear was arrested? <laughs> <laughs> we will be great at parties. <laughs> You bring your two babies, it's a whole act. <laughs> I have nothing to contribute. You haven't you've you've been out of school, so you've done I nothing. haven't been in school for a week, so I've been sleeping until like ten thirty every day. That's nice. Yeah. So um but you've got the teachers resume their strike ends tomorrow, right? Tomorrow. Like I said, ends today. Well today was described as a cooling off day by our governor. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> Today's literally a his words. Do all you students off. need to cool off from sitting at home and watching Netflix? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I will say though, yesterday I had uh, like seven homework assignments. Some were due at four p.m., some were due at eight p.m., and some were due at midnight. So it hasn't really been much of a week off for me. <laughs> so did they keep giving you homework throughout the strike, or is this stuff oh, you yeah. had from before? Oh, okay. Oh, no, they kept emailing us literally every time I checked my email. I was like, oh, by the way, here's this thing you have to do tomorrow by four o'clock. I was like, oh, cool. Thanks. That says a lot, though, that like here these teachers are striking and they're still trying to like. They're still trying to make my day so much worse. No. They're still trying to educate you, dude. They're still trying to educate I know, you. I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Did anything no. come of this strike? Yeah. S so, well, well, sort of. I a, mean, a promise of something came from they this have strike. promised to fix PEIA, which is a state health insurance program that is 
that that's that was the real impetus for this. Yes, the teachers deserve a pay raise because they have for a long time because they're paid 48th in the nation. But the other problem is that they raised the premiums on the state insurance so much. They like tripled them. Yeah. And they were losing money compared yeah. to what their raise was. And I mean, there were going to be a lot of people because the salaries are so low that were in a position where they couldn't pay their bills because they were paying all their health insurance premiums. So yeah. they're going to they have promised to fix it. We'll see and what comes of that. And then they have a 5% raise for teachers. Yeah. Over the course of five, four or five years. Mm. Gradually. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's and like a gradual raise. raise for yeah. All of their yeah. student employees. They've been doing the same thing up here for the minimum wage. Um, uh, it's like been going up incrementally over the past year. And it's kind of like, it's cool that, that, you know, they agree to do those things, but there's that point like, so you realize there's a problem now. Like, oh, this is not sustainable. We'll fix it in five years it's yeah. like i mean i don't know it's it's a well, bit of like a long wait yeah and they'll still be behind probably yeah yeah in five years the cost of living is going to go up so much that 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 increase isn't going to matter anymore let's be real well and that i mean not to be dire but the health insurance issue not just in this state but nationwide it's gonna explode soon enough yeah i see you coming single payer you're on the horizon. Universal health care. That'd be cool because I haven't been to a doctor in like 20 years. So I hope I get to go to one someday. This administration is going to screw up health care so badly that finally everybody's going to say, maybe we should, you know what? Maybe like every other developed nation on earth, we should give this whole uh, health care as a right thing uh, a try. I don't know. That would be... That would be cool. That's the only way I'm going to have health care in the foreseeable future. Well, uh, I, I have no transition for this. Hey, Riley. Yeah, Sydney. <laughs> let's get off um, all these bummer topics. <laughs> I know. Let's let's stop talking about these bummer things. And uh, we thought it would be fun to do another one of our Ask a Teen episodes. So this episode's all about me. So you all are done. You <laughs> no. can go. Okay, bye. We're going to leave. And Riley's <laughs> just going to tell you all about being a teen. Yeah for another 50 hey, minutes or 40 minutes this whatever. is riley's hour join me we talk about the team I, this is <laughs> you doing like a late night radio thing yeah, hey, yeah. hey everybody <laughs> good I, evening i realize this so this is the third time we've done this uh-huh. and, so, and you're we we have the document here with questions in front of us and it's ask a team three i really wish you'd made the two e's in teen uh threes because then it would be like a cool flashy title for this but you, but can nobody you can that? see can you fix that <laughs> <laughs> just fixed <laughs> thank you now we know three team three furious all right what's our first question um our first question comes from sam who emailed us and sam is a sophomore in high school and she said, I have a constant fear for my future and what will happen when I graduate high school. I'm under a lot of stress from my family to be the one that goes to college and succeeds, but I'm not sure if I'll ever be emotionally, mentally, or financially ready for college. Any help to ease my great fears of college? Hmm. That's <sighs> well, a good question. And yeah, I'm right may- there with you. Sam. Yeah, maybe you could start off there because you're in the same position. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever completely emotionally, mentally, or financially ready for college. <laughs> That's honestly, fair. Sam. I'm still um, not, and I went through it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I graduate in about less than three months, and, you know, I'm not there yet. I'll be in college six months from now, but we'll, you know, you figure it out as you go. I think, I mean... As far as emotionally and mentally ready, I mean, it's always it, it change, even good change is hard, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, if you're talking about like assuming you want to go to college. Yeah. I mean, because that's I mean, that's underlying at all. If if the reason you're not ready is because you don't really want to. That's I mean, that's valid. And you, you should be able to say uh, maybe maybe you don't want to right now. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you, okay. And it's a massive financial commitment. And you know, mm-hmm. you, you say that you're you're under a lot of stress to be the one that succeeds. But I think it's important to remember that it's it's your life. You're you're not living it for your parents. And ultimately, I don't think that your family would want you to. So, you know, oh. like maybe maybe look at the source of that that stress. If it's if it's it's got it's all it's your decision to make. It's nobody else's. And and success is not necessarily equated with college. Right. Yeah. If it depends on what you want to do, obviously for me it was because I had to go to med school to be a doctor, and you I have had to, go to, go to, to go to college to go to med school. Yeah. So, you know, I, 
it, my success was predicated on college, but f it, that's not true for everybody. There are a lot of successful people who don't go to college. I think the key is kind of having a path mm -hmm. and you don't have to have it all figured out, but having some idea of what you want to do. And if college is part of that, then you take the leap, you face your fears and you take the leap and you do it. But if what you want to do doesn't necessarily involve college, then is it really worth your time and right. the stress? Yeah. Because it is very stressful. Yeah. I'm not even in it yet. And thinking about doing it, it's very stressful. The The financial part, I, you're just, I, the best I can say is you're not alone. Because unless you're lucky enough, like I was, to get a full ride scholarship somewhere. And that's not possible everywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, depending on where you are, what state you're in, what college you're trying to go to, that's not always possible. But unless you're in that kind of situation it's going to be a financial stress on pretty much everybody. Mm -hmm. There are yeah. very few people yeah. who have enough money that it's not going to be a strap, on, you know, s strain on them. College in America is, you are pretty much 99.9% .9 guaranteed to be in debt after you graduate. Right. Yes. But, you know, from the, the emotional and mental standpoint, I, I would say, you know, just you're, you're not going to be the only one that, that feels that way. You're going to be in a class of people that probably feel exactly that way. So everybody else is just figuring it out their freshman year. It's probably most everybody's first time on their own, their first mm -hmm. time, it's completely new social surroundings. So you are you will not be alone in that feeling. Yeah. And, and if it is something you want to do, it's a great time in your life to find people who are like you and are interested in the things you're like and that you can really connect with. It's a great time in your life to kind of have like independence with training wheels, you know, mm -hmm. where like, you're on your own, but you're not completely mm -hmm. um, where you have a schedule of things to do, but it's up to you to stick to them. But like they, there are pressures that encourage you to, I mean, like it's a great, it's a great time to start kind of stretching your wings and, and figuring out who you are and trying out that person, you know, taking that new independent you for a ride, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. And, and Sam, you're a sophomore in high school, two years from now when you're graduating, uh, I'll be a sophomore in college. I don't know where you're located or what colleges you're looking at. If you want to go to the same college I do, we'll be, we'll be best buds. We'll figure it out together. There you go. I was lining up friendships already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but make sure it's what you want to do. That's what I would I would start with that. Yes, that yeah. is very important. Because if it's what you want to do, then you, you find the courage and the support and you face your fears and you... You let you let that that stress and that anxiety motivate you and push you forward. If it's not what you want to do, you know, don't. <laughs> it seems like most people, once they're in college and figure out what they're doing, they enjoy it. Yeah, and I think I think most people do. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot to look I'd forward say, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Are we, are we ready for our next question? Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> This one comes from Holly, who we all met at PodCon in December. Hey, Holly. Uh, so, hi, Holly. Hi, Holly. Um, uh, Holly's question is, do you or did you feel obligated to have certain experiences as a teen, i.e. kissing, <laughs> driving, and parties? Have those things ever mattered or factored into how you live? Next year is my senior year, and I'm taking 13 classes, including theater, and I have a part-time job. I feel like I miss out on a lot of teen experiences and therefore can't relate to almost every teen I know. Should I sacrifice part of my academics or income to have these experiences? I am very lost. Well, let me say, first of all, you have named classes and theater and part-time job, which I would say are all key teen experiences. Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, I think you are already succeeding in, well, in part of your goal. I would like to commend you on your 13 classes because <laughs> this year is my senior year and I'm taking three classes. <laughs> you sound like a slacker. When you I say that. do. <laughs> um, I... I think we're all going to feel differently about this. I don't think, first of all, I don't think there is any one right way to experience high school or your teenage years. Yeah. No. I, I just, there isn't. Like, there's a variety of what we consider, like, the classic teen experiences, and they change for everybody. And I don't think that you necessarily have to assume that just because there's something a lot of your friends or, you know, classmates have done and you haven't that you're missing out. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I did feel like, uh, I probably not, I don't know, my idea of typical teen experiences were all predicated on Archie comics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I did feel enormous pressure to do everything that the Archies did. <laughs> right. Um, so like I went to a football game. 
uh, a football game. game. I, I think two, oh, yeah. it, when it was all said and done. But one, I was singing with the choir, so mm. cool, cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, I may have em- engaged in kissing. You oh, may have you, engaged, you in engaged in the smooching. smooching. <laughs> you were a fan of the I smooching. I may have done that. You smooched a lot. I I I went to the dances, and I went did you to, go to parties? I went to parties. I cut class once. Oh, I've never done uh-huh. that. Um, I went to a pep rally. I don't know. What else are you supposed to do? Like, I, I did those things. I made t-shirts. Did you? And I, I said, senior girls. Woo. Oh, I said that once. <laughs> <laughs> did you go to the homecoming football game and go to a party after where you smooched? Because that sounds like you just encapsulate all the experience I don't think I I ever did that in that like Mm. in that order um I drove around I ate Taco Bell what else do teens do like (laughs) I did those things (laughs) see I I did it and I mean I think I I get the pressure I totally get that because I did feel like there was this weird list of things I need to check off but at some point I was like but no like and I, I'm saying this, this is not hyperbole. I tried a smooch once in high school. I didn't really like it. Like, like that was it. It just wasn't my thing, you know? Like, I got my driver's license when I was 18 because it, like, seemed like it was about time to stop, like, walking to school. But I didn't really care too much about it. Like, I went to two dances. Uh, I, I didn't, I don't know. I think it's whatever, if you feel like you're missing out on things that you want to do, then you should try to make time for them. But as someone that didn't have interest in those things and didn't do them and never really regretted not doing those things, because I was doing things I wanted to do. I was, I took a whole ton of art classes, you know, I had on and again, off again, like little, like fun art jobs. Like I had like my nerd friends that I was busy playing role playing games with. I had my other things that I was really psyched on and I did not care about checking off things on that list. So you know, if you want to make time for these things because they sound awesome to you, then you should. But if they're just, you don't have to, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not playing teen bingo here. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that's true. If those are things you want to do, then like make time to do them. And I don't think you should ever sacrifice your academics or your income, though. Like if you have time mm-hmm. and you have an opportunity to do these things and you think it might be interesting to try them out, then do them. But in the long run... I feel like academics and, and income and feeling good about where you are in your own life is more important. And I don't, I, I did a lot of those things and I, as you may be able to tell, I don't even remember them very well, <laughs> let alone like treasure those memories forever. There are lots of experiences I had as a teenager that I do treasure and they had nothing to do with your quote unquote typical high school experiences. Yeah. So. The only reason I probably remember ever partaking in any of those stereotypical teen experiences is because they happened within the past year of my life. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> just You just haven't forgotten just them Just wait yet. a year. Probably will. <laughs> so don't worry, Holly. You're doing fine. Yeah. And, you know, you're making money. You're doing theater. And you're taking all sorts of classes. So, like, you sound like you're doing pretty good to me. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. That's so many more classes than, than you're doing. Riley. <laughs> You're right. There's so many more. <laughs> it's like over four times as many. I, I'm just gonna I almost did that math and I said, Nope, can't <laughs> I'm just gonna say that every time you complain about like being tired or school being hard and be like, Well, you know what, Holly's taking thirteen yeah, <laughs> Really? Cindy Oh, you've had a hard day? Imagine how hard Holly's day was. <laughs> I am a teen podcaster. <laughs> My life is stressful. Cooper it's thinks not. that's very funny. Guys. Cooper does think She's that's very funny. Look at that goofy smile. Oh, like, oh smile. that's ridiculous. Uh, I wish you all could see this smile. Jeez, right really. All right, oh. what's our next question? Uh, our next question comes from an eight-year-old fan we have named Sophia. Um, hey, Sophia. And she was at Candle Nights this year and wanted to ask us this question at Candle Nights, but we're going to answer it now instead of Candle Nights. Um, and Sophia asked how you deal with mean people at school growing up. Oh, that's that's tough, Sophia. That's I'm sorry. Let me say this first. I'm sorry you're having to deal with mean people at school. Me too. Um, mean people at school suck. They do. That mean people in general. Yeah. You know, throughout life. And yeah, and and unfortunately, I will tell you that there will there are always mean people that you run into, but you do get better at dealing with it as you get older, and you meet way more nice people. 
and eventually uh, you get to decide where, where you go and who you spend your time with a lot more. And so then you can, you know, only hang out with the nice people. Someday you won't be stuck with all the mean people. Yeah. Well, um, and I do think we have to remember the, the great words of Michelle Obama here that when, when they go low, you go high. That, you know, people people are, might be mean to you, but never never drop to their level of meanness. You can always be the better person and ignore them, rise above, like... Sometimes they're being mean because they're not very happy with themselves or, you know, what they're mm-hmm. doing with their lives. And that's not something you can control. So you can always control the way you react to things. You can't necessarily control the way people act towards you. Yeah, that's true. I think that's the biggest thing is to try to and this is a hard lesson to remember when you're young and it it gets somewhat easier as you get older. But I still have to remind myself of this as an adult when someone's being mean it says a lot more about how they feel about themselves and their own life than it does about you it usually has nothing to do with you so don't let it decide how you feel about yourself um, how much you like yourself how you feel about the things that you're into or the clothes that you wear or how you like to style your hair or whatever don't let it influence any of the ways you feel about you because it really stems from some other unhappiness they have with their own life and with the person that they are and and you never know where that's coming from so I think that's the biggest thing you can do is not let it change the way you feel about yourself or Mm. you know ruin your day and make you sad and we have all dealt with mean people at school and outside of school yes I will say and um while you all have been out of school for a while and I am still in it I think we all can say that we have gotten past all the mean people at school and Mm -hmm. they are not important and do not matter. And it was, it was hard, but we're, we're cool now. You know, I'm just looking at this cute baby. (laughs) Everything's okay. Don't, don't let mean people make you a mean person. Like that's the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you keep being a kind, happy, good person. And what you hope is that the mean people will want to follow your example. Um, But it's okay, while I say that, it's okay if sometimes you just need to come home and cry to your mom or dad. It's totally okay, because sometimes you need to do that. that Order your big brother or big sister, order uh, your grandma or your grandpa, or aunt or uncle, or whoever you feel comfortable crying to. Um, Sometimes you need to do that, because sometimes mean people get to you, and that's okay, but you just got to pick yourself back up and go, you know what, I... I'm going to keep being me and I'm going to keep being happy and I'm not going to let those people change how I feel. Yeah. And hang in there. Yeah. It does get better. It does. It absolutely gets better. And Sophia, we will all always be here. (laughs) Always. Where are your friends? Charlie would love your name, Sophia, because she would want to meet you because you have the same name as Sophia the First. On Disney. On Disney, who is a princess. Yes. And a protector of the Ever Realm. You know a lot about <laughs> Sophia the First. I mean, we, we don't actually know if this is, in fact, not a princess, Sophia, that we are addressing That's true. Here. That's so true. If, if we made that mistake. I am sorry, Your Highness. <laughs> um, well, I want to go to our next question, but before we do that... Let's check the group message. What do we got this week, Riley? <laughs> <laughs> what was the, let's check the group message well i was about to make beep poops but then cooper made a cute noise and that's just the official transition now we just need to get it on a record so we can play it every time we go over to it <laughs> better than her grunting to poop again uh, <laughs> ooh. how do you feel about this group message cooper okay, okay. she didn't have anything she to has say. nothing to say yeah. um this week we have a sponsor to tell you all about that we have not gotten to tell you about before and that is BarkBox. Uh, this week, Still Buffering is supported in part by BarkBox, which is a monthly package of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme. And while none of us are dog owners, um, my boyfriend has dogs. So I got this BarkBox and I gave it to him. I was like, hey, play with your dogs and tell me how your dogs like this because I don't know how dogs work and I don't know what their deal is <laughs> and I don't know what they'll how like. How to dog. How, I don't know how to dog, but he knows how to dog. And uh, I will say, his dog loved this bark box very much. It came with two big packages of treats, and it came with two super cute toys, and they were all themed around Knights of the Hound Table. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <the> hound table. <laughs> um, I like that! 
so you can be you can be sure there are many dog themed puns yeah. in these boxes. Yeah. Dog puns. I'm just there gonna get one for puns. me, just for the puns. Um, the, there are some other themes I looked up on their website, like Churassic Bark and <laughs> Throw Bark Thursday. <laughs> They're very good. Um, but his dog's favorite toy was this cute little like stuffed gray two toy with a jester hat on. It was very cute. Um, and every month, BarkBox picks the best all-natural treats made in the USA or Canada and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. And I will say they do have different uh, sizes of boxes and toys based on the size of your dog. So it is all very, like, customizable for your pup. Um, and if your dog doesn't like something in BarkBox, they will send you something they'll love for free. Oh. That's so nice of them. That's so cool. Yeah. How do you know if your dog uh, doesn't like a... <laughs> I've never tried to get you, a dog's opinion, and I feel like you. I, don't, uh, I feel like a dog's. You said it in front of I them. I guess so. It's, it's never happened with BarkBox, so we don't <laughs> it's know. It's never happened. Well, and I, I feel like dog's opinion about everything is yes, yes. <laughs> I will say we got this uh, for Carol for for my mother-in-law mm-hmm. even before they were our advertiser. Yeah. Just because we thought it looked so cool. Yeah. Mm. All the Not, I mean, pups. she has dogs. Right. For her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we have a special deal for BarkBox for all of our listeners. Sisters, do one of you want to tell them about it? Uh, sure. I would be happy to. So if you want to check out Bar- BarkBox, Still Buffering listeners can get a free extra month of BarkBox when you sign up for a 6 or 12 month plan. All you have to do is visit BarkBox.com slash buffering when you subscribe. That's BarkBox.com slash buffering. Do that now for all, all the pups of various sizes in your life. <laughs> this, guys, this is an aside. I've just, I've realized that, well, I cannot own a dog. My apartment will not allow it. I need to mm-hmm. find some way to get a dog in my life. Like, I don't want a partner, but I'm at that part of my life where I would like to have a relationship with a dog that is my friend and i don't know how to do that i do i do enjoy having a a dog that i can visit when i so choose yeah like how <laughs> a dog is that what dog parks are for you just go there and you can yeah hang no, out with dogs. i've learned that no they don't let you in if you don't have a dog <laughs> it is not the dog taylor. petting zoo are taylor there? brings a stuffed dog on a leash one of those that has like a stiff leash that you can walk it's like do 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 I am here with my That's dog. That's really, this is my dog. Just scoot real close to like a like a, a dog and be like, no, this is mine. Like, no, no. Can Stop you... claiming other people's dog and leave the dog park, please. Are there dog cafes, like cat cafes? I, I don't know. I've never. I don't know. I feel like dogs one. get too excited. That would be rough for a cafe. <laughs> like you'd be sitting there trying to like, you can't just like chill like with a cat when you can just like sit next to you and drink mm-hmm. your tea and eat your snacks. Like a dog would be run all over the place like, hey, 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 yeah. you want to play? Play with me, play with me, play with me. <laughs> um, all right. What's our next question? Um, our next question comes from Raymond who said, as an Ohioan who is now based in Los Angeles, your podcast is a way of taking me back to my roots and conjuring up some good nostalgic feels when I'm homesick. With Taylor living in New York and Rilo approaching college, I would like some advice on how to homesick. Mm. Well, I'm going to defer because... Well, I mean, you spent four years <laughs> of college where you were not living at home. And That's you traveled true. a lot. I did. So you were not completely... <laughs> no, I just I just kept living here. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> kept living here. <laughs> I just keep not leaving. No. <laughs> uh I, I don't know. I've, I've only had to deal with homesickness in small bursts. I didn't feel homesick when I moved into the dorms because I could come home like every weekend to like eat and do laundry. Because you can't actually do that at college. And mom calls a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, she does. <laughs> and I haven't even left yet. Yeah. So that never stops. <laughs> Be lucky. Count yourself lucky. It never stops. Um, she loves us. But uh, so I, I mean, I only had to deal with like short bursts of homesickness and um, for me, it was just like concentrating on that the experience was short lived and I'd be home soon. And yeah. So I don't know that I have good advice on this, but I bet Taylor does. I, say, I bet Taylor does. Well, you know, it's it's the most obvious thing, but I think it's the thing that I, I forget is just how important being in contact with the people that you're missing uh, like is like I get I still get homesick and I've been on my my own for I don't know, like. 13 14 years now it's been a long time mm-hmm. but just picking up the phone and like hey you know and calling mom or dad or talking to you guys like 
touching base is really important and 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 making making time for that because sometimes it's so easy to get distracted with your own life and it just kind of gnaws at you the back of your head like i'm really bummed out i wonder why and it's you know there's a big part of you that's across the country that you got to check in with from time to time yeah do you think it helps to kind of make your own like and i mean college is a temporary situation but um for you like you've made your own home well there's definitely that and that that took a long time I think it, it took a couple years for me to finally feel like like it's weird now like when I go back to West Virginia and visit there is a point where I miss certain things that are back here in New York like I think of it as a home too I think that you know that is like like it's so it's okay to 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 let your you know let your heart live where you are and I think sometimes that can feel like you're sort of betraying your past I think I had that feeling for a while like no but but West Virginia is my home like you know it would be wrong to have those sentimental feelings about where I am now but you know definitely kind of allowing yourself to to like make those connections and they aren't they're never going to be stronger than where you come from but you know you, you got you got to build yourself those sort of like concrete things where you are i think i think that's a i like i said i I haven't left home you know permanently but uh it's a good analogy for like i remember when i first started referring to the house that justin and i lived in together as our home Mm -hmm. as my home huh oh well i i you know and i stopped thinking of mom and dad's house as home Mm -hmm. I, i remember making that mental shift and how impactful that was for like the way I looked at my relationship and my future and what my family was and how I felt about where I was like it really changed and it doesn't necessarily happen like the second you move in with somebody or tell them you love them or marry somebody like it's a it's a decision you make Mm -hmm. this is my home and I'm going to treat it like my home and live in it like my home and love it like my home and it, it really is like a mental decision like a change that you make in your life and it was very powerful for me to feel safe and at home yeah. in my home mm-hmm. you know? well that's like what I because I feel like there's a very there's a sort of transient quality to living in New York you you're always assuming that this apartment once this once this lease is up my rent's gonna go up too high that I have to move again so you know I think I went several years just kind of living in like just this is where I live but it's not my home like I'm not gonna spend time like painting the walls or like you know, hanging art or making it comfortable because who knows how long it's going to last. And I think it, it is like, you know, what you're talking about, like very much like living in the space you're living in and like making it comfortable and, and you know, like giving it that sense of home is important. Yeah. yeah. And I will say also, I think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, I just say like, I also have like touch points, like music that I'll listen to when I'm feeling homesick. Jimmy Buffett. Uh, Jimmy yeah, Buffett. <laughs> I listen to Jimmy Buffett when I'm homesick, you know, like there's certain like meals that I'll cook myself. Um, a weird thing that a lot of my friends have, it's, it's harder for me because West Virginia is very specific, but there are a lot of bars that are sort of like, there's, there's a Texas bar in my neighborhood. There's like, you know, an LA bar and it's like, it's owned by people from that place. They like, you know rep the sports team from those areas so i don't know like i there you might have like an ohio themed bar somewhere out there you're you're in a big (laughs) enough place that that might exist and that's actually like it's (laughs) it's a big trend in new york there are a ton of like specific state specific bars so i don't know maybe look into that like that episode of how i met your mother where robin goes to the canada bar (laughs) yeah (laughs) just like that yeah um i was just gonna say that i have not moved out of home yet I have always lived at home with mom and dad because I am a child. Um, <laughs> but I do think about that a lot when thinking about where I'm going to college because there's a college, of course, I could go to that is where Sydney went. That's 10 minutes from home that I would basically still be here with everyone. Or I could go to college, you know, a few hours away. And I think it's important to think about family in the sense that, like, family is very important and will always be there with you in your life and are the people that watched you grow up and you have you know spent your entire life with and will spend your entire life with but also like any decision you make that might take you away from family obviously is important enough and means enough to you that it will do something good for your life so even if you are away from family or doing something that is improving your life in some way and that's all you know family wants for you right mm-hmm. to be happy be so, happy yeah um are you all ready for another question yeah, yeah. um this one comes from Andrew, and it was on Twitter, and I feel like it was very timely, considering the episode we did last week. 
And Andrew said, how severely does ageism affect teens? If you could lower the voting age, would you, and to what? What other changes would you make, if any, to help teens have their voices heard? And I thought this was very uh, current, considering we talked about last week how big of a noise that teens are making recently. Well, what do you think, Riley, as a teen? Do you think that you are not heard or you're disregarded because of your age? Um, I definitely think I am. I think that a lot of times people think that if you're what they would still consider a kid, you don't really know what you're talking about or couldn't possibly be, <laughs> sorry, just look, just look at your baby. Um, you couldn't possibly be educated or know what you're talking about because you're not an adult yet and you haven't had as many life experiences. So people kind of disregard what you think. I think that definitely affects, you know, teens being able to feel like, and myself being able to feel like, you can talk about what you believe in and you can state your opinions because no one's really going to take you seriously. Um, but I don't know if I'd lower the voting age just because I feel like, I mean, I am 17 just now and I'm registered to vote and I can vote in the next election, but I don't know if before now I would have been educated and prepared enough to vote. It's hard because it's such a range. Like I think that there are, um, I think we've seen very articulate and well-informed 14 year olds, Mm -hmm. you know, recently, um, speaking out and understanding issues and, um, you know, using their voices and using their, their political power. And they, they certainly could make good decisions about voting, but is everybody at that age? <laughs> oh. I think Cooper's trying to cast a vote right now. Yeah. yeah. Cooper wants to vote. Hmm. She wants to, I don't know what she's voting for, but <laughs> But, I mean, that's hard, too, because, and that's why, you know, any tests to, like, ensure that people are educated enough, quote-unquote, to, to vote it is such a bad idea whenever you hear that kind of thing proposed. Because, I mean, being 18 doesn't necessarily mean you are. Right. You know, there are a lot of people my age that vote without being really well-informed. Yeah. Or don't vote because they're not well-informed. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I would lower it to. I don't have like a good answer for yeah. that. Um, but I definitely think, you know, we've seen uh, in the the wake of this shooting, we've seen like some of the, the teenagers who are standing up and asking elected officials totally legitimate questions being criticized on the internet for like disrespecting adults. Yeah. Yeah. Which you would never like if an adult stands up and asks the exact same question they're challenging their political leaders in a way that is totally, I mean, they're, they're your elected rep representatives. Yeah. They're there to speak for you. So it's totally appropriate and not only your right, but your duty to ask them these questions. But yet a teenager is disrespectful if they ask the same question. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, um, I could see a case for like 16. I mean, you could drive a car. That's a pretty big responsibility. I think you could it's a good point. have an informed yeah. opinion. <laughs> I think that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you can do a lot more damage driving a car. Well, well, no, <laughs> uh, no I don't know. I, Immediate direct damage. I would, I would say that the, the this last well, election is kind of like a massive two million car pileup. So I don't know. I think that's it's, true. It's a little worse. Maybe you can do more damage voting. Yeah. But uh, what? see, what I'm trusting is that your generation is going to fix all the damage. Yeah. And also the rest be better at driving done. cars. <laughs> well, I didn't really mean that. I meant voting. Yeah, I know. I, I, I want better. you guys to all be of voting age as soon as possible. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like there are many times where I will watch some of our family members or people we know post things on Facebook that happen to be adults that <laughs> I have something very educated and not like attacking in any way or biased but just like an educated and informed opinion I could share with them that happens to not agree with theirs but I know the minute I do they'd be like well you're just a, you're kid. Just a kid what do you know right. yeah so I'd be like hey mom or hey Sid Taylor <laughs> do you want to <laughs> hop in <laughs> I think but I I think the best thing you can do to challenge that bias is exactly what's happening now which is <clears throat> being organized making clear coherent demands and reminding everyone that we're voting very soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then vote. Yeah. I think I don't said just, that last week. Yeah. Don't just say you're going to <laughs> then, do it. Then actually do please, vote. Yeah. Please yeah. save us. <laughs> Got my registration card in the mail. Yay. I keep mine. 
Do you? Yeah, just because I like to have it to show, like, look, I vote. Look at what I do. I'm registered. I was so excited the day I got it. I put it in my wallet, and I started carrying it around with me, and I never stopped. Mm. It's right there with my ACLU card. Nerd. <laughs> I lost. I'm just kidding. I lost mine a long time ago, but they don't. That's okay, because they don't make you have one to vote, which is nice. Yeah, you don't have to have it. It's just, yeah. yeah you don't it's have to have It's just a nice it. little thing. Like, I just like you. Um, What's our next question? I think we have time for another question. Yeah. Um, this question was asked in two different ways by two different people on Twitter, but basically, uh, Joseph and Tsunami both asked, both asked in their own way, when should teens start dating? Well, hmm. I mean, I'm a parent now, so aren't I supposed to say like, never, 32! Never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, the, isn't that the stereotypical thing I'm supposed to say? Probably. I don't really feel that way though. Well, Charlie's also three. Well, yeah, it's easy Cooper's for me to say that now. Like I have a, I have a two-week-old and a three-three-year-old, so I'm in no danger. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went on my first date in fourth grade, so that's not a good metric. Hold on. My <laughs> you dad even was a teen. there. My dad was there. Dad, dad sat in the back row of the theater while the two of us watched Sandlot. Aww, the Sandlot together. Probably like with his binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to put his arm around me and got his watch tangled in my hair. Um, but. I started dating, like dating someone dating, dating. when I was in my sophomore year mm. of high school. Mm-hmm. I think I was old enough. Yeah. I mean, you're what, 15, yeah. 16? I was like 15. I, was, yeah. I, I think I was 15. Yeah, I was 15. So I think 15 was fine. <laughs> I mean, I mean. Go ahead. I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't date anybody till actually really it was after high school. I, maybe, I guess during my senior year, sort of, but I was, maybe that was too early for me. <laughs> I, I think I, it's I just, individual. Yeah. yeah. I can't like set to... an age for all teens and say, this is when you should no. start dating. Because everybody matures at a different rate and everybody is interested in dating at a different time. And some people never yeah. are. And I, I don't think there's an age where you should look at your kid and go like, why aren't you dating yet? You're old enough. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, you're 16 and you want to date? Nope. You got to arbitrarily wait till you're 17. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't think that applies. I think I was mature enough to date when I was 15 because I wanted to. I entered into the relationship of my own free will. Yeah. I was not pressured to do so by him or by society or by my parents one way or the other. And I was very safe about, you know all of the things you got to be safe about yeah. when you date somebody. And, um, I mean, I was terrified of sex, so that wasn't entering into it at the time, ah. <laughs> but <Probably> still is, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I, I think I was ready to make those decisions and I talked about it with mom openly. She knew everything that I was doing and where I was and when I was doing it. And I mean, so I think that was fine. I think if you have a 15 year old who is terrified and doesn't want to date, but feels pressured to by their friends, Mm-hmm. And so they're going on dates and very uncomfortable and not enjoying it. Then I think maybe they're not ready to date. So yeah, I think you kind of have to like as a parent, I would say you have to know your kid yeah. and talk to them. Yeah. I mean, I first quote unquote dated someone my mm-hmm. freshman year of high school and I was 14. But it was just because it was a boy that I enjoyed spending time with and I thought was a cool person. And everyone was like, oh, well, you were all dating. And I was like, well, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess like I, I felt like I should like I didn't really want to it was just like well it's like cool he's a cool bud um but I don't know if I was actually ready at that point which you know is different for everyone like I was I think I was still I'm younger than everyone else in all my classes so I was in high school but probably should have still been in middle school and everyone was telling me like oh you all should date but I probably was still in that kind of little kid mindset like I'm just you know hanging out with a cool friend when do when do you think on average like your friends started dating what what age do you think most most teens are dating nowadays when you say dating do you mean like i mean serious like, relationship or do you mean like just like casually hanging out i'm someone? talking about like going steady <laughs> going steady like yeah. an exclusive relationship that you like go on actual dates and stuff yes i'd, I'd say like sophomore junior year of high school hmm. so like 15 16 i think that's later really I don't think teens are dating earlier. I think they're dating later. Then and it, again, yeah. like maybe, yeah, maybe I am just around a, an an odd group of people. Maybe that does not hold true for all teens everywhere. 
but I'm just thinking of my friends that I know that have been in going steady relationships uh, in high school. They either all started like their junior or senior year of high school. I have one friend who started dating her current boyfriend in eighth grade, but they are still dating in 12th grade. So, you know. I I mean, that's varies. what I feel like I had a good number of friends and, and just classmates who had like steady relationships yeah. in middle school. Yeah, yeah. same. So and, and I, I never had that. I don't think I would have been ready for that, honestly, in middle school. Well, so, and I would hope that that maybe speaks to like less of a social pressure because that's one thing that I always felt like there was something wrong with me because I never had a significant other really in high school, like or mm-hmm. then to follow suit through college, like that there was like a, I I should be doing this. I will be. I will lose the ability to be a functional human in my adulthood if I do not have this valuable experience in my youth. That's super wrong. I hope that kids feel less yeah. of that pressure that, you know what, maybe you want to do it when, maybe you don't want to do it till you're 30. Maybe you never want to do it. And that's totally okay. Yeah. And I will say, I think that pressure may still exist in some form just because like last year I was 16 and a junior in high school and I'd never actually seriously dated anyone. And pretty much most of my friends had. And I was just like, hmm, this is something that I feel like everyone my age has experienced and I never have and maybe I never will in high school and I felt like I should um now I am because I want to not because I feel like I should yeah. but you know well and you get a lot of that dialogue like well you learn so much about yourself from a relationship I don't know if that's true <laughs> I, I, yeah and I definitely don't know if that's true when you're that yeah, young yeah totally like you, yeah. you are just as capable of figuring yourself out on your own yeah I, I definitely learned a lot from some of the relationships I was in as I got older, I, I would not say that my, yeah, you know, my relationships <laughs> I had in middle school, I learned a great deal from, about yourself, <laughs> about myself. Teen relationships are weird. Like you yeah. can't really have like a real, real relationship because you're still like a kid and have to follow your parents' rules and living at home. Um, but you can have enough of a real relationship where it's like you're not in middle school or elementary school anymore. I don't know. High school relationships are a weird middle ground. But, so I guess our answer is when you're ready to date when you're ready. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to have like an open dialogue with your kid to make sure that they're, you know, they're comfortable, that they're being safe, that they're making decisions for themselves. Yeah. yeah. Do, I, I know we're, we're out of time, but would you just read this last question real <laughs> quick? Okay. Um, this one is on Twitter from Ash. And Ash said, my nephew says fidget spinners are out and then now they all have stress balls shaped like food. Is this nationwide or just my community? And I will say there is a short conversation after this tweet where several people said, yep, that holds up here in my town. Okay, I don't know if this is, I wonder how old your nephew is, Ash, because uh, Charlie is really into... Stress ball shaped like food. Yeah, they're called Squish Delish. We have quite a few of them. They do look delish and they do squish. Um, they're like cakes and macarons and things like that, oh, and they're all—they've got faces, and you can squish them, and they look delicious. Oh, I would. But, do they um, relieve that. her stress? I don't know if they relieve her stress, but they relieve my. Do they stress. relieve your stress? Yeah, I like no. them. I enjoy squishing them. Things that look like food that aren't food make me really mad because I can't eat them. <laughs> like all those beautiful <laughs> soaps that are like look like cupcakes. It's like why is it just a cupcake? Yeah. I don't want soap. I want the cupcake. I don't like things that aren't food that look like food. She did have one that was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like cut into a triangle. It was just half of it. And um, it looked really real. And it made me sad every time I looked at it. And I was like, I wish that was really a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, Sydney, you're an adult. You could make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I mean, I know, Riley, but that one was just sitting there ready. (laughs) I don't know. I think you're ahead of the curve. I think this is the wave of the future because my three-year-old's into it. Yeah. Maybe by the time she's a teen, it's just going to be sweeping the market. <laughs> this generation of teens knows what's up. But I'm okay with saying farewell to the fidget spinner. Me yeah. Too. Yeah, that's fine by me. Um, well, thank you, sisters. This was I've learned a lot. You're welcome. I hope, I hope you, audience, have learned a lot as well. <laughs> and I hope if we answered your question, you got the answer you wanted or something close. <laughs> it's possible you didn't. Uh, thank you for Hi. listening to our, <laughs> thank you for listening to our show um, and indulging my um, two week old who was periodically she looks milk drunk yeah who's <laughs> been nursing the entire time is that is that okay it's called cluster it's called cluster feeding 
sisters. <laughs> very normal. She is an A plus booper. Yes, she's very good. Sounds at Sounds like it. a weird sci-fi term, cluster feeding. <laughs> no, it just means my baby won't stop breastfeeding. <laughs> but it's okay. I'm chunking her up. Um, thank you to the Maximum Fun Network for hosting our show. You can check out maximumfun.org for a lot of other great podcasts. You can tweet at us at stillbuff. You can email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org. And uh, thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Mine. This has been Still Buffering, a sister's guided teens through the ages. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am a teenager. And, and I, I was, was two. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say something else about your boobs. <laughs> Dominated by Dude Bro Movie Podcasts. A world where Casey Affleck has an Oscar and Angela Bassett does not. Only one podcast is brave enough to call bullshit. Who shot ya? With Ricky Carmona. A lot of people don't know Porgs, Puerto Rican. Alonzo Duralde. I would eat Oakjaw. <gasps> April Wolf. I want to interrupt and say yes. that the fish man was real sexy. Drea Clark. I have a real soft spot for King Kong. And women of color. I was like, damn! Right, Kugel got final cut! Kugel got final cut! I just felt like the film was so sour and so completely irrelevant to basically anything in life. Who shot ya? Listen every Friday on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.